garage and hope no gardens. Do all the things you wanted to do all summer, all day, all night. Winter, spring, summer, fall. Call 1-800-441-4410 for reservations at Pocono Gardens and beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. Hello and welcome to FW Presents Mountain Comics. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and uh, joining me for another installment of this series is my pal and boss over at 13thDimension.com, <laughs> Dan Greenfield. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Hi, Rob. I hope you're enjoying this view of Lake Wall and Paul Pack from the cabin. It is. It, what's great is that there's no humidity. It's just, it's, it's a lovely sunny day, no humidity, you can hear the water, it's, you know, kind of lapping on the shore. It's, it's really, it's quite nice to be here, so thank you for having me. Thank you, yeah, glad to have you here. Uh, we're here to talk about, you said, yet another comic that I bought uh, when I was on vacation with my family up in the Poconos, which is in Pennsylvania, for those of you who don't know. And this particular comic is Teen Titans, number 51, from the original series. It was on sale August of 1977, but before we get to the comic proper, uh, like Dan, you asked to be on this one. Like, so what's your history with this this iteration of the Teen Titans? Well, you know, this was kind of that weird in between, you know, Teen Titans series that <clears throat> wasn't part of the original run and wasn't part of New Teen Titans. You know, the great uh, Marv Wolfman, George Perez. This was, you know, Bob Rosakis and Don Heck and others, kind of, you know, late seventies revival. That, that in a way played with a lot of the ideas that we saw in Teen Titans later. But at the time, it just kind of was its own funky thing. Um, because in, in part because you had a, the addition of a bunch of new characters, kind of revamped characters, and, and in, the, in, in particular in the issue that we're going to talk about, characters who hadn't been seen for a very long time. So it was interesting, in retrospect, almost from an anthro, anthropological or a comics history standpoint. At the time, I just thought it was neat that it was the Teen Titans. I, I, I wasn't entirely aware that the – because the, I was only 10 when this came out – that the that, that the book had been canceled and then brought back. I just knew that this was different from the, the Teen Titans comics that I'd read just a few years earlier – that you know from the early '70s that had a much different tone, right? For for people who don't know, like as you just mentioned, like this series was brought back. It was originally ran from '66 through like '72 or something. '73, '73, like yeah. and 73, then it, yeah. right, and then it was brought back in 1976 with the same numbering, which is which is nowadays completely would never happen. No, uh, not at all. Bring anything back with, with the old numbering, but DC was trying to keep up with Marvel. Because Marvel was flooding the newsstands with content, and so DC was trying to keep up. And so they were restarting or reviving a lot of their old series with the original numbering. They brought back Blackhawk, um, Plastic Man. I mean, they were just digging up all these old concepts and just starting the numbering over again. So this run of Teen Titans only lasted seven issues, 44 through 53. And this was a comic that I just didn't – I always liked the Teen Titans. I liked the original version. I certainly loved the Wolfman Perez ones. Yeah. Uh, so I always liked these characters. I watched the um, the Filmation show they did, uh, they did, the Teen Titans episodes of those. Uh, um, and so, you know, but for whatever reason, this was just not a comic that I picked up a lot. So when I saw this on sale up in the Poconos, I still remember what store I got it at. I, I grabbed it. It was only 35 cents. Uh, that's how old I am. Is that the comics were thirty five cents when I was when I was buying them off the stands? Uh, as you mentioned, it's by Bob Rosakis, Don Heck. This issue is inked by Frank Chiaramonte. Uh, the tit- the story is called Titans East, Titans West, and Never the Teens Shall Meet. The hell of a long story title. Um, yeah. It opens with the Teen Titans, or at least some version of them, having a meeting in a malt shop. 
but these aren't, <laughs> these, which is great. These I love just, that. Yeah. It's, any, anybody can have their own headquarters. It takes these guys to, to meet and just hang out at a diner, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but these are in, in full costume. In full costume. Yeah, I should mention that. But yeah. these aren't the heroes we know uh, as no. the Titans. It's Golden Eagle, Lilith, Hawk, Dove, Batgirl, and Beast Boy. Uh, Lilith has been having a series of premonitions about disasters, but Hawk isn't having any of it, of course. He storms off, asking Beast Boy for a lift. As they fly over the city, they see the Ferris building start to shake, the exact event Lilith saw in her dream. Beast Boy turns into a King Kong-sized ape and keeps the building from blasting off, while Hawk and the other newly arrived heroes help to get the people inside to safety. Despite their lack of experience with one another, this group of teen heroes works well together and no lives are lost. A news reporter comes forward and asks them if they think this weird event is at all related to, to a similar event in New York, yet another premonition of Lilith's. The heroes decide this is not fake news, and they take a trip to New York City. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other Titans, the ones we are more familiar with, are facing off against a bad guy named Captain Calamity. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. He and the other, he and, where's his who, who's who listing? He and his men have a crashed plane full of passengers strapped, trapped, threatening to kill them if the Titans make a move. Each member of the team, Robin, Joker's daughter, Speedy, the Guardian, and Bumblebee, each think the other members of the team are stymied into inaction. They all attack at the same time, making quick work of Calamity and his goons. Meanwhile, Wally West and Donna Troy take a train back to Titans HQ, while Wally gently suggests he thinks of Donna as something more than a teammate. Donna rejects Wally, just in time to meet up with Aqualad, who is there to resign from the team. Gart's inferiority complex has gotten the best of him, to the point where he doesn't feel he is useful anymore. Speedy angrily calls Garth a tuna-livered coward and fish face. <laughs> but before the whole team can chime in, they see on the news that Long Island is floating out to sea. <laughs> At first, they think it's Captain Calamity again. But just then, Lilith and the rest of the Titans West arrive, and she declares, I am the one responsible. And that is the end of this particular issue. So, Dan, what do you think of this comic? This comic book is a Bronze Age time capsule. It, 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 it has so many of the great things and the strange things about, about comics right in the middle of the Bronze Age, which a lot of times people do forget. You know, it's that weird bridge between the Silver Age where, where, where things were, were, were hokier and sillier and a little bit more over the top and not obviously the, the modern age and the grim and gritty that came later in the 80s. This is that, that sweet spot in the middle where it's weird and strange, but it also has kind of that grounded, the inner the marvelization, the interpersonal relationships between the characters. They don't all get along. There's arguments. There's pettiness. And yet at the same time, there's really fun action sequences. There's silly villains. Uh, and in this particular case, there are so many characters. What, what are there, like like 12 or 13 different potential current, past, former Teen Titans? Right, it's like six that, that, on each team. There's it, it, This thing is packed. And what, what's interesting is that you read the first half, and it reads like a backdoor pilot for a Titans West comic, <laughs> which I got to tell you would have been a great idea. The, it really, you know, of course, we, we you know, you mentioned that, that that you know, DC had added all of these comics, you know, in the in the mid to later '70s, and then, as we all know, ended up cutting a lot of those comics because of the DC implosion. Teen Titans didn't. I don't think technically was part of the DC implosion, but this issue only la- you know this title only lasted a couple of more before they totally revamped it years later with new new Teen Titans. But there's so much in here to like, but at the same time, it's it's also kind of weird and flabby about things that just feel self-indulgent. 
Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's only there's only 17 story pages. This is about right. the the low end of, uh, of of how much content was in any given comic. I mean, right. when you, when your story is 17 pages plus your cover, that's 18 yeah. pages of content, and that is literally half the book, which means right. the other half is all advertisements. And, and there's, there's a lot of ads in here. There's yeah. a lot of ad, and there is one ad I want to cover actually uh, because it's comic related and it, it has sure. actually pretty big significance to to my life. But uh, yeah, no, I like the story. I mean, I, we I've talked about it on previous comics. Not a big fan of Don Heck uh, at this later point in his career. Uh, I th- certainly stuff he did for Iron Man in the '60s was really good. But like these team books when he did this in Justice League, I just was not. I just don't think it was stuff was that dynamic. Uh, and especially uh, some of these characters are pretty goofy looking, like Golden Eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think you need someone like a George Perez who can really make those kind of costumes work. Uh, and I don't think Don Heck was particularly that guy. Bumblebee, too, is sort of goofy looking, although she's now part of the superhero girls line, which is fantastic. Uh, I love uh, the Joker's daughter character. The only, <laughs> the only reason I love the Joker's daughter character is simply because of what Wolfman did so many years later. Yes. In that one issue where Starfire, where Donna Troy gets married, where, yep. where Dula Dent shows up and she's like 50 pounds heavier and she talks about, oh, I'm out of the superhero game. And Robin's like, you know, it's taken me all these years to figure out you're too old to be the Joker's daughter. <laughs> yeah, and she says, right. she says something like, "It took you that long to figure this out." Batman would be very, dis- very uh, dis- disappointed in you, Dick. Ta ta! Yeah. And she takes off. Yeah. It's like, what a great little hook to bring yeah. her back in and and have it be this unresolved mystery. I thought that's great, and that's all I can think about when I see this character in in current form. For for me, it's it's and and for the for the benefit of of your listeners also, in case you're not aware of the you know, she was a character that came over from Batman Family, and which was a which was an ongoing story thread in Batman Family that was one of my all time favorite stories ever, where where Duella or Duella Dent or however you pronounce it, as we subsequently found out that she was Two Face's daughter, but she she you know first she was the Joker's daughter and then she was Catgirl and she was the Riddler's daughter and the Penguin's daughter. and it was a great really fun storyline that really that really made a Batman family sing i never really kind of bought her as a teen titan character it just it just felt really forced to me um but but it, it, you know she's so of that time that when i read a comic book like this it's fun to see her there in retrospect in the same way that it's fun to see you know bumblebee who was created i think for this particular run and like you mentioned you know a golden eagle who's you know you know pretty much the ripper owens of superheroes you know basically you know he was a teenager who wanted to be hawkman and when hawkman you know left the justice league they're like all right kid you've got wings come on and join us you can fill in for him yeah it's oh yeah uh <laughs> barbara zakis was also very good at creating villains which i think were supposed to be real morts i think that that was kind of his thing i think as captain just captain calamity come on I mean, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. and, and at the same time, Bob was writing secret, uh, the secret society of supervillains, right. which had uh, a bunch of villains. And I remember I'm getting off topic a little, but there was even an issue of secret society of supervillains where a bunch of the kind of like higher tier villains are talking about some new recruits. And there's like one called Quake Master and the Seismatic Twins. And you even, <laughs> you even have one of the villains say, these guys are kind of low rent, aren't they? So it's like... <laughs> You know, you've got Bob Bob creating these characters and then commenting well, about how kind of low rent they are. Well, it's it's also you know the, the, I made a point in reading this in not reading the full story because this is the other thing is this is part two of a three part story. Right, right. You know, this is this is the middle the middle act, 
and and the, the the big reveal later on because I have read these. This is the first time I've actually looked inside this comic in in, in decades. Um, but I did remember that Captain Calamity, spoiler alert, is actually the same person who Titans West was facing earlier in the story, Mister Esper, okay. who who was a so he tur- I don't know I forget how they they figured that out, but somehow they ended up being the same person. And Mr. Esper was actually, I think, a one-off or maybe a two-off Batman villain from the mid-60s. So they kind of, pl- you know, they reached in, you know, in kind of proto-Grant Morrison taking some character out of nowhere and then trying to make him into something else entirely. And, of course, then, then in this case, went right back up to, into obscurity once, uh, once Teen Titans was over. But you're right. It, it's, that, it's that silliness and weirdness about these issues that I find that I, that I that, that that make them so appealing, even to the point where their headline is of in all places Farmingdale, Long Island. You know, yeah. it's it yeah, which which I can't remember because they don't mention it here. The Groovy Frog was that during because they had they there were a couple of they used to hang out in in, in discos the the Teen yeah. Titans and here it's either it's either Gabriel's Horn I think is is Mal's Club, but there was also Groovy Frog and I can't remember if that was part of this iteration or an earlier iteration. I'd have to go back and look. It sounds like it's an earlier iteration, but yeah, yeah. when you said about like not reading the other chapters, I mean that because that's kind of how I approach these comics because yeah. you know in the days of newsstand distribution. You know, if the you if the previous issue was not on sale anymore, it was gone. It was gone forever, basically. Right. And so, right. yeah, I came to this comic having no conception of the previous issues. You know, I was like, okay, right. I have to just kind of follow what's going on here. Uh, it does feature Aqualad, which I always appreciated because he was an right. Aquaman character. Although, you know, this didn't do Aqualad any favors because he's just a no. big mope here, and he's just like, I'm right. so lame, I can't be a member. <laughs> and you're like, well, if the if the hero himself thinks he's lame. Yes. So are the fans. The fans are going to have the same reaction. I mean, he's just like, okay. And I like how I like how Speedy has he's having none of it. You know, yeah. he's just like it's not even like the others. Like, oh come on, man. He's like, no, get out then. You know, if you, if you can't hack it, you know, take a hike. It's just like, a, I mean, this is Speedy, the same Speedy who was a, who who was still a recovering heroin yeah, addict. Seriously. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> a little, little bit of yeah. little bit of compassion would go a long way here, pal. You know, you've known the guy since 1965 or 66 for crying out loud. Yeah, glass houses, Roy. Come on, jeez. <laughs> and uh, the whole angle with uh, that Wally had fallen for Donna Troy. I didn't remember yeah. any of that but they i have to say they the way they wrote donna troy especially in the 60s and the way nick carty drew her oh my god you could not possibly not fall in love with donna troy right you just couldn't right. i mean so yeah. it's it's kind of interesting in that like you were talking about that this is sort of the midpoint where comics were coming out of the you know no personal interactions it was all just plot and then of course we would move on to new teen titans which is practically a soap opera it is a soap yes yeah, a soap you know, opera with action pieces yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean yeah. here it's like you have to think that it would be maybe uncomfortable for donna troy to you know kind of quote unquote be working with these guys all of whom are hitting on her right. except except for dick yeah. i think dick grayson right. is the only one who didn't hit on her and that's why they have such no. a close relationship is it because they, right. they have that brother and sister but it's like that had to be uncomfortable for her and she, the way she blows wally off you know that wally's not taking it well where she's like uh, she says, you, you, you and me as a twosome, it just wouldn't work out. I mean, you're not right. my speed. Hey, right. speed, that's speed. funny. And then he goes, yeah, sure, <laughs> ha, ha. And you're like, oh, man, no. I've been there, man. I, I hear Who you. has it? She's totally friend-zoning him. <laughs> oh, man, that's brutal. That's, I mean, I can't, I can't blame her at all. But, I mean, you just right. know that Wally's just not taking it well. 
Well, also remember she'd been with Speedy before, so that even adds a whole other, right. you know, you know, back in the in the earlier iteration. But it's interesting, you know, about that part of it about the relationship is that I, I don't know if you're reading the tit- the Titans and the Teen Titans books that DC's putting out now. Um, I'm not. I got to tell you, then you're missing out, particularly with the Titans book. The Teen Titans is very good, but Titans, who's also written by Dan Abnett, who's writing Aquaman right, right, right now, has a real handle on these characters because what he's basically done, I don't know if you're, you know, and I won't go too far off point here, but just for the purposes of your listeners, because if you're into this at all and you want to kind of, you know, get a modern take on it, pick up, pick up a couple of issues of Titans because it's basically this same cast with the exception, you know, it's got... You know, all of the, they're all in their modern outfits and everything, but it's Dick Grayson, Donna Troy, Wally West, um, Mal Duncan, Karen Beecher, all of them, you know, all the Lilith, and they're, 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 it's, it's them today. And right now, one of the subplots is a possible Donna Troy, Wally West romance. Oh. And it's got, and Roy Harper is the one who's heartbroken that he's kind of on the outside looking in. So it's, it's, it's really fun to read a comic book like that. And knowing that Dan Abnett was reading all of this stuff, because yeah, he definitely yeah. he definitely brings that that whole feeling, that whole zeitgeist to the modern comics. So if you if you want to get you know take it, trust me on it. It's it's worth reading. It's one of my favorite books that DC's putting out right now. That's good advice. I'll have to take yeah. a look at that. I very because I like I'm a big fan of Dan's work. Obviously, I'm reading yeah. Aquaman stuff. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is a fun comic, and you know. It, it's. I always like to be gentle on these because, first of all, obviously I have such nostalgia for them because right. I, I still have the, the, the sense memory of being in the newsstand and picking them off the, the, the stands and bringing them back to the cabin and sitting on the porch. I mean, they, they're just so beloved to me that I, I, you know, even when I know from a you know, quote-unquote adult perspective they're not the greatest right. books in the world, they're just so much fun. I like them. And, you know, we also, I always have to try and remember that, that you know, these books weren't meant to be read 40 years later they no. were meant to you know for 35 cents they were meant to entertain the reader for the length that it took you to read them that's what right. they were meant for and they did they did they, they did it they did their job I, I enjoyed this comic i think i kept reading teen titans after this because i remember having the last issue number 53 where the jla takes on the teen titans and yeah, so obviously a, i like this book enough to just you know keep going with it yeah, kind of a retconned origin story that right, they gave them right. in, in in '53, and then and then they split up until the end of until they brought them back with team, with the new Teen Titans. For me, this is one of those books where, um, and and I it, irony of or coincidence, not really irony, but you know I was on one of your other podcasts, you know, on on Treasury Cast talking about the Batman Ra's al Ghul Treasury. I'm fairly certain that I got that at the same time that I got this. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that it was, that, you know, it's, it's weird that how, how certain people who maybe are in your life for a hot minute have this weird impact on your life. Because for example, there was a kid I knew named Mark Swerdlow. Um, and I was over his house one day after school and we weren't like regular buddies or anything. It was just one of these kids here at school. They're like, Hey, you want to come over? Yeah. Okay. And he had comics and somehow I know that I ended up with that treasury edition. And I think this very issue. And if it wasn't this issue, it was one of the others in the three-parter. And I, quote-unquote, borrowed them 
you know, like, oh. with his, well, no, with his, like, yeah, yeah, you can borrow them. Oh, okay, okay. And, no, 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 I didn't take them. But it was like, oh, yeah, hey, can I borrow these? And I, I just don't think I ever gave them back. Okay, was, right. You know, it was, it was the other kind of sleazy, not the kind of first sleazy that you were thinking of. <laughs> so, so, so thank you, Mark Swerdlow, because I think you're the one who, who reintroduced me to the Teen Titans because of, it was definitely this storyline if it wasn't this particular issue. Yeah, I've done that. I've, I've had comics I've given to friends and then they just never sure. saw them again. So it you never see them again. It never yeah. happens. So, um, the last thing I do want to cover before we before we sign off here is that there's a lot of great ads here, but the one I really want to focus on is there is an ad for superhero school supplies. Yes, and I knew you were going to do this. Yes, get your backpacks, superhero backpacks and school supplies. Now, this thing is a nexus of everything that would become important in my life because it is drawn by the Joe Kubert School, of course, which I would later attend. So, so there, right. there's that. And it features all these kids going to schools in their superhero backpacks, which completely is the most unrealistic thing in this comic. Is right. These kids going here. Because if I had ever worn a Batman backpack to school, <laughs> I would have had the crap kicked out of me. There was no way right. all these kids were into this. Especially, there's a girl wearing a Superman backpack, which is, yeah. talk about science fiction. But um, and she looks like Donna Troy, too. She does look like Donna Troy. Like but from one, the 60s. Yeah, yeah. One of the items they are selling is an Aquaman pencil case. Uh, for 69 cents, and it features the, the classic Murphy Anderson stock art on it, and you can see it there. Mm-hmm. And I had that as a kid, and it was a beloved item to me, and it was the first item of Aquaman merchandise that I ever went back and purchased on eBay. It was one of those things where once eBay was a thing in the late 90s, I was like, you know what, I had an Aquaman pencil case. I wonder if that's, like, I wonder if anyone still has, you know, I wonder if I can pick that up. I bought it on eBay, and that was the beginning of the Aquaman merchandise uh, collecting binge and that led to the shrine which oh, led wow. which led to the podcast which led to this so like, oh that's great everything pretty much good in my life from from the geek part of it came from the purchase of this pencil case so i really have to thank the merchandise whoever made this whoever whatever pencil case manufacturer realized you know, we can slap some superhero merch, you know, logos on this and sell a couple of these. I have to thank them because if I had not bought that pencil case, I don't know if this ever would have started. That's so funny. You know, I knew when I was reading this, <clears throat> I said, okay, we're going to end up talking about that pencil case. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I had no idea that there was that kind of backstory behind it. Yep. Um, because that's great. And it's true that those, those things that are – and it was sort of like I was just saying a second ago about Mark Swerdlow. Is that the things that that happen to you when you're, you know, and, and it's in in anything that you're into when you're a kid. But like for us, who you know, for those of us who are comic book fans, those unexpected moments that take on a greater significance when you look at it in the hindsight of forty years, you know, or whatever. Like that day was a big day to me because of X, Y, and Z. Of course, at the time, it was just another day. I look at this ad, and I can tell you, in in in, in a similar fashion, although not as you know, not as acute as what you just described. Over to the to the upper right of that pencil case is a Batman notepad. I had that Batman notepad. To the left is a set of book covers um, by a company I think called Alco, and these are superheroes. I had the Super Foes, which were Joker, Penguin, Riddler, and Lex Luthor. And I think I just threw out the Lex Luthor. I just I had no interest in I had no interest in but this was a couple of years before this. This would have been back in second grade. This so this would have been like nineteen seventy-four. So these had already been out for a little while by the time this ad was. I recently went on eBay 
and went back and got those book covers again because I, wa- I, I remembered them and it was those kind of things. Like sometimes you have a memory and you're like, did I remember it quite the same way? And it's just obscure enough that you really kind of almost need more proof. It's not like something you could pick up, oh, it was you know such and such issue, so-and-so. This was one of those things like I remembered having those and then I tracked them down and I picked them up. So I, I totally relate to that experience. And in fact, you had the Aquaman pencil case. I had the Batman pencil case, and I have been looking for it on eBay, so if you see it, let me know. You haven't found it yet. I'm amazed. I have not found it. Nope, I haven't found it. I type in Batman, vintage Batman pencil case, and there's like 50 other versions from the last 40 years because it's Batman. So someday, though, it was yellow, that much I remember. I I will get it. Do you remember the pose, what the stock art was? Yeah, it was was the, well, it's the same one that you see here. Oh, where he's standing there with his hands? The Carmine Infantino, yeah, where he's standing there with the hands on the hips. You know, one of the most famous Batman stock arts ever. It was that one. That's my, that's, in my memory, that's what it was. All right, everybody. Well, you you heard it here first. If you see it on eBay, let Dan know. You can can send a tweet to him at 13th Dimension or at Dan Greenfield (laughs) and and let him know so he can pick it up. Right. uh, well, anyway, that's that is that's going to do it for this this issue of T Titans. This is I love this comic. It's I keep all my mountain comics together because I'm a nerd that way, and uh, this is just such a fun book. And you know, Bob Rosakis, you know, it's kind of it's one of those runs that just everyone sort of forgets about. It's almost like the Martin Pascal Swamp Thing, where right. you know it's a run that's actually pretty fun, but is was it had just happened to precede a more much more famous run. And so it kind of gets forgotten. And so these seven issues of Teen Titans, I think, kind of fall, but you know, fall in the cracks of Titans fandom. But as you mentioned, obviously Dan Abnett remembers them, and Bumblebee has gone on to be, you know, a character that DC has found a way to merchandise to girls, which yeah. is, which is great. So which you know, is great. they yeah. live on. Now we all have to hopefully the Captain Calamity will show up in some sort of movie at some point. I, I would love it if DC, and I know this will never happen, put together a Bob Rosakis collection trade paperback. Because that guy knew what fun comics were. He did. You know? Yeah. And you and you take his I mean, everything from the from the from the puzzles and the answer man columns and if if someone and and the stories that he did like here and in Batman Family I, you could spend an entire afternoon reading his stuff and have a great time because the guy loved comics and and really really made them fun. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So I completely endorse that uh, that viewpoint. And he's a very nice guy. I mean, yes. I just yep. Talked yeah. To him a lot. Interviewed him too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Really, really nice guy. So, well, anyway, that is going to do it. Dan, thank you so much for coming by to the cabin and and, and checking out the view and t- talking uh, Teen Titans with me. I'm glad I brought my bathing suit because I'm going to go take a dip. All right, fair enough. Where can before you do? Where can people find you <laughs> on the internet? Uh, 13th Dimension, as you just mentioned, uh, the uh, the website uh, that you sometimes write for. Um, that's 13thdimension.com, and you can follow us on the Twitter and the Facebook. And, and uh, you know, we do this. If you're listening to this podcast, uh, I'd say there's a extremely good chance that you'll find something that you're going to want to read on the website. So, you know, come check us out. Absolutely true. So, and of course, you can find back episodes of this show on our network site, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. We've done five previous Mountain Comics episodes, and there are more to come. Uh, and you can follow the show on Twitter, which is at FW Podcast. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. For so long, you and me have been finding each other for so long. And the feeling that I feel for you is more than stronger. Take it from me. If you give a little more than you're asking for, your love will turn the key. Darling, 